Welcome, welcome, welcome to Tilt. Happy Monday, everybody. Or let's call it Martyr Monday. Who got found out? It's fraudulent and why? We're going to hang some skins on the wall and tell you all. I'm your host, OG. And if it's your first time joining us, Tilt stands for talking in lamest terms. Lend me your ears. Let's dive right in. Because we're going to start with championship week in college football. All division uh, division scores will be settled Saturday. Let's dive right in with the number one Georgia Bulldogs versus number three Alabama. I said first team to 20 was going to win this. Well, Bryce Young laughed at 20 points. That's that's all time. That all time Georgia D got shredded by the freshman. The dogs, Achilles Hill is their offense. The quarterback play for Georgia was not good. And once they were behind, it was over. Once again, Kirby is not so smart. But I'm sure they're going to make the Final Four so they get another chance. 41-24, Bama. Number two, Michigan versus Iowa. The Wolverines are finally the team everybody thought Coach Harbaugh would build. Tough, gritty, and up for the challenge. Iowa simply wasn't ready for the hottest team in college football. No, no more, no less. 42-3 says it all. Number four, Cincinnati versus Houston. Those can't stop, won't stop winning Bearcats. Hoover said they had to prove themselves need to be fired. Now, the Cougars didn't lay down, but Cincinnati's, Cincinnati's big playability and defense, defensive pressure turned the Cougars, tamed the Cougars to the tune of 35-20. Whoever they play, it's not going to be easy. That's if you win. Number five, Oklahoma State versus number nine, Baylor. The Bears started a redshirt freshman, came to play, and punched the Cowboys right in the mouth. But the Cowboys wrote Baylor back in, in the second half and made it a game. If down to the wire was a team, Baylor avoids the last-second claps and outlasts the Cowboys. 21-16. Shout-out to my daughter, Trinity. Sick em. Number 10, Oregon versus Utah. The Ducks didn't have the answer for the Utes the second time around either. Different game, same result. The college boogeyman lived up to their name, totally dominating the Ducks 38-10. Number 15, Pittsburgh versus Wake number versus Wake Forest. Both teams rolled through the ACC with bad intentions, but in the end, they could only be one, and it was Pitt. After a shootout in the first quarter, Pitt's defense shut out the Demon Deacons the rest of the way to become the new kings of the ACC, 45-21. Number 19, San Diego State versus Utah State. I don't know if the Aztecs forgot they had a game or took Utah State too lightly. Whatever the case, Utah State showed up, showed out, and dominated in all phases. The Aztecs haven't had many bad days. Saturday was definitely one, 46-13. Then we had number 24, Louisiana versus Appalachian State. The upset Kings at App State never got a chance to work their magic. They kept it close, but Louisiana held them off 24-16. Finally, our HBCUs come to a conclusion. Jackson State won a swack. 27-10 versus Prairie View AM. Panthers, it was it was a it was a balanced attack. It wasn't the Shador Sanders Sanders show. Peyton Pickett took the took took the lead, 19 carries, 107 yards, and a defense shut out the Panthers in the second half. Next up, South Carolina State Bulldogs for the HBCU National Championship. Coach Prime told you he would be at this point. If they win, everybody's baby going to Jackson State. Power five, be afraid. Be very afraid. And I wanted to dive in on these uh, 
these college coaches. First, uh, Lincoln Riley. Uh, Lincoln Riley's going to have a long leash at USC. I mean, because he's a young guy, but he's going to need some a real defensive coordinator out in the Pac-12. I mean, it's almost like the Big 12. So it's a lot of gunslinging going on. They're hoping that he can catch lightning in the bottle like Pete Carroll. I mean, I think that's a bit much to this point because he really didn't make his mark at Oklahoma State, uh, at Oklahoma, like people thought he would. But let's stay tuned. We got Brian Kelly. The LSU faithful are not buying this guy right now. But Kelly can recruit. But with his Notre Dame ways flying off yet, none of his coaches followed. I'm just saying. Then, of course, we got Marcus Freeman, uh, hired at Notre Dame, black 35-year-old coach. I want to think this is a good faith hire, but I remember how the, how the Domers treated Tyrone Willingham. If anything goes wrong, you already got a scapegoat. Just my feelings. And Brent Venables, the longtime D.C. for the Clemson Tigers, goes to Oklahoma. I think it's a good hire for now, but when they move to the SEC, where the big boys play, can he be can he be a better head coach than he was a DC? Now, as a DC, he absolutely can hang. Ask Nick Saban, but as a head coach, it's not checkers anymore. Good luck, coach. Then we got Oregon's crystal ball being tabbed by Miami. Now, after the Utes ran through him twice, I'm not too sure that he can bring Miami back. But we'll see. Good coach, nonetheless. Still hanging on to college. We finally got our big four for the playoffs. Uh, Alabama at number one. Michigan at number two. Georgia, number three. And Cincinnati. Hold them down that four spot all year long. I'm openly rooting for Cincinnati or Michigan. The SEC has been getting away with Teams getting multiple chances for years. If you haven't looked around this year, the transfer portal has some coaches on career watch. Doesn't matter the conference anymore. No Man's Land University has five stars from the transfer portal. These rankings are not what they once was. I mean, if, I mean, if you're talking about equal playing field, but of course you know we're not. It's simple. Follow the money. Whose team travels gets the most chances. But here's the rub. Cincinnati is better than anybody knows. If Bama can't run, I'll let you in on a little secret. Both Cincinnati corners are going to be pros. Strong, so is the strong safety and both outside linebackers. It's going to be a game. Trust me. Okay, let's move on to the big boys NFL yesterday. Crazy day in the NFL yesterday. I'm going to try to run it down for you. First, we had the Vikings and the Lions. Well, everybody has their day in the NFL. And today, the Lions finally got one. The Vikings have been a walking mass unit lately, and Delvin Cook being out was not what they needed. But after falling behind, Captain Kirk rallied them back to take the lead. But Coach Campbell wanted more from golf. The former number one pick gave it to him. With four seconds left, Lions 29-27, a la scoreboard. Tampa Bay versus the Falcons. Like I said, Stat pad mission complete. Four TDs for TB12. The Falcons did not lay down, but eventually had to go to sleep. The Bucks with the kill shot, 30-17. Cardinals versus Chicago. Well, it was the return of the dynamic duel, Kyler Murray and D-Hop. Murray shot off his wheels in his return. 
in his return to action with two rushing TDs, killing Chicago more with his legs than his arm. Andy Dalton didn't have a bad game, just not a good enough one to ever really challenge Arizona. 33-22. You had the Dolphins versus the Giants. Don't look now, but two was playing like the guy we saw in Alabama. No Daniel Jones for the G-Men, and Saquon was an afterthought as the Dolphins coasted 20-9. Then we had the Eagles versus the New York Jets. Gardner Minshew made his first start as an Eagle. Showed poise in the pocket as he threw two TDs, and Mr. Sanders gassed the Jets on the ground to the tone of 120 yards. Zach Wilson tried getting into the act, but ended up throwing a pick. This was never close. The Eagles had complete control, 33-18. Colts versus the Texans. The Colts looking to take out some frustration on somebody after last week, and the Texans just happened to be the team up next. This was a game of the have and the have-nots. Tyrod Taylor, usually a steady hand for the Texans, was benched for Davis Mills, which didn't really help. Jonathan Taylor ran wild, and the coach ran over the Texans 31-0. Can somebody say help? Chargers versus Cincinnati. The young guns were supposed to put on a show, but only one did. Mr. Herbert was on his game, and the Bengals kept giving the ball to the Chargers. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. 41-28 Chargers. Then we had the Washington football team versus the Raiders. Both teams have been able to make something out of nothing lately. The Washington football team with no kicker last week pulled out one. And today with the kicker kicker edge, the kicker edge, the Raiders 15-17 backyard football at its best. Then we had the Rams and the Jaguars. This was a get-right game for the Rams, and boy did they. Trevor Lawrence didn't play bad, but not even close to well enough to be a threat. There was a Odell Beckham sighting. The miseducation of Trevor Lawrence continues. 37-7 Rams. The Ravens versus the Steelers. There's no love lost between these two. Lamar returns to the Matrix to be fooled by Mr. Anderson. Failed two-point conversion. By the Ravens, the Steelers survived 13-12. Seattle versus the 49ers. The Niners have been hitting on all centers the last two weeks, but if they thought Russell Wilson was going to go away quietly, it was not to be. Russell owns the 49ers, downs them for the fourth straight time on a goal line stand. Maybe the 12th man did help. 30-23 Seahawks. And then last night's game, we had KC versus the Broncos. Wasn't much to talk about. It wasn't much to talk about here. The cheat code, Patrick Mahomes had probably the most average game of his career. No TD passes. Denver kept going for it on fourth down, but still couldn't punch it in. The end zone, Casey's mouth defense ended the subpar night with a pick six, 22-9 Chiefs. That's it for football. We're going to go the ranks of college basketball get you up to date on that uh the rankings are not out yet but i'm pretty sure they're going to change we got a lot of we had a couple of losses first duke the ranks the rank like i said the ranks are not out yet but duke won't be number one after their loss to ohio state uh number two purdue should jump to number one after outlasting iowa this weekend gonzaga fell again this time to alabama gonzaga was 
three to death. Incredible night from the arc. Sans the Bulldogs reeling. And should be out of the top five. Number four, Baylor. Should be number two late tomorrow. Late today, like I said. They reloaded and maybe are more talented than last year's national championship team. Imagine that. UCLA, back to being focused for the Bruins. Now faced with uh, COVID protocols, the game they had to forfeit should not affect their uh, status in the in the rankings. Number six, Villanova. Villanova, I'm still of the opinion, although very talented, the Wildcats' two losses should have them outside of the top ten. Number seven, Texas. Played Cupcake City this weekend. Still no way to assess them. Number eight, the, this this powerhouse are coming together really, really nicely. The more chemistry, the more wins for the Jayhawks. Number nine, the Wildcats play more as a team with chemistry and consistency. They are going to be a problem. Number 10, Arkansas. Beating up on Division II teams just won't get you much, get you further in the rankings. That's all I'm saying. Play somebody. Arizona, like I said, they're in a real, real rebuilding stage and officially started, but Arizona is going to be in the top 20 all year. Good team. Number 12, BYU. The Cougars get a big win over Missouri State. Fundamentals help. Number 13, Tennessee. The Vols are young, but about that life. Young, but focused. Number 14, Florida. Took an L against Oklahoma. Ranked way too high. Uh, number 15, Houston, basically the toughest out in the country. College basketball's boogeyman. Number 16, Alabama. I say they didn't want their, their ranking. Then they go out and hand it to Gonzaga. They will be moving out, up and out, uh, out of the, the team spots. They should be top 10 now. Number 17, UConn. Not yet ready for the big time or the big boys, but ready for the top 20. Memphis. Should be out of the top 20. Three straight losses. Young, inexperienced, and talented. Growing pains, growing pains, growing pains. Number 19, USC. The Trojans are young and walking right out the door. They should not be in the top 20. And finally, Seton Hall made the top 20, but still not battle-tested. Uh, also in college basketball, Mark Tergeron steps down as Maryland Head coach, I don't know exactly what that means or who are the viable candidates for that job. But I think uh, Shaka Smart, who just moved in at Marquette, would be on their wish list. Uh, I don't think Shaka really wanted to go back to Marquette, but he was catching too much hell at Texas. I think he should be the next Maryland coach, but we will see. Uh, on a personal note, UNC should be back in the top 25 uh for all you ACC haters, uh, not lobbying, but if you saw what I saw this weekend and against Michigan, it should be easy. Not much on the NBA. Still, we're going to go with some some questions that people in the NBA might want to know. James Harden is no help to KD. I think that's a true statement. I think he wants his own team again. I don't think it's important to him for him to win a ring. Just look at the way he's playing. There's nothing to stop him from doing what he normally does. Not even the flop calls. He's getting those again. So what's the problem? The problem is Kevin Durant's leading the league in scoring and in the MVP race. 
and he's not. But James should know that because he started his career with the man known as KD. So he needs to get it together or ask for a trade or whatever he's going to do. But the way he's been playing lately, like like I said, KD's like, I'm getting out of here. And Kyrie's probably not coming back. Second, the Knicks. Are the Knicks wrong for benching Kimber Walker? I'm not going to curse on here, but come on, Tom Thibodeau. Get over yourself. You got Quigley and Alex Burks. And, okay, Kimber with the knee injury, I get it. He doesn't play your kind of defense, but he makes up for it on the offensive end. Even when he's hurt, this is just blasphemy. You setting Kimber in NYC? Come on, man. Stop it. Oh, yeah, those four straight losses? It's called karma. Anyway, COVID rocks the Hornets. LaMelo, along with other players, out. So, I don't know. I think it's, they're going to be the G League special this week because I think it's, it's, in a, it's in a number of, like, seven players. So, we're going to see how that works out. The Warriors drop another game. And have they fallen back to earth? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But, hey, on the road, you have bad nights. Uh, they capped off the week by beating Phoenix, who beat them a couple of days earlier, even without Booker. But, yeah, the Warriors are for real. They're deep, and they're ready to go. Next question, should the Lakers fire Frank Vogel? Uh, basically, Frank should have been fired like three years ago, but now they got to have somebody to blame since they don't, they can't blame LeBron. So, no, I don't think Frank will get fired maybe until next year. Or if that, yeah, I'm going to say next year because if they get booted out in the first round, they got to blame him all summer until they get a new coach. The Blazers president was out. Will Dame or Chauncey be next? Now, Dame committed to the team. They got the GM out of there, president who actually hired Chauncey. So, it's whose side is he going to be aligned to? And this guy is a former player, so... Chauncey, I think you better get off that 2004 uh, Detroit Pistons playbook and cater more to Dame or you're going to get fired. Jason Kidd gets on Luka for crying to the refs too much. Imagine that. Well, Luka's the one that opened his mouth and said it was easier to score in the NBA than in the EuroLeague. And it probably is. There's no real physicality, you got maybe seven, eight teams that will really bring it to you as far as putting you on your behind. But Luca cries even with the soft teams. I mean, I guess it's part of his bag. I mean, he can score. He can do whatever he wants to do. But he's not winning anything. Not if he's the only person and he likes to alienate people, ask Mr. Porzingis because he's trying to get out of town right now. But we'll see. Is Luca really the star we say he is? Because I haven't heard blip about him this year. Other than I'm crying to the refs. Okay, and the last question. LeBron and Lakers don't have a switch. But if they do, are the bulbs blown out? Yeah, if you've been watching the Lakers for any length of time this season, you'll realize one thing. LeBron doesn't have a switch. Not anymore. He's either on or he's terribly off. There's no switch. And I can't wait till playoff time when everybody else finds out there's no switch. 
like I said, this this thing could still be salvaged. I'm going to give them to the All-Star break. But after the All-Star break, if some tough decisions are not made, this is going to, like I said, this is a train wreck coming down the track. That's all for the NBA. And last but not least, we had an interesting weekend of boxing. My guy Devin Haney uh, defended his... Uh, 135-pound belt. I mean, Devin returned his belt, outlasting former champ Jojo Diaz. Here's the rub. For me, why was Devin being booed? He's not the one getting, he's not the one ducking people. Anybody other than those who really know boxing know that who Jojo is. I'll answer that. No. Nobody knew who Jojo was, but he seemed to have the crowd in a frenzy. And these commentators from DAZN, I'll, I'll never watch boxing on, on that again because they're supposed to be biased. They might as well have had on JoJo t-shirts the way they were rooting for uh, JoJo Diaz. And they kept saying the fight was close. If you watch the fight, it was probably eight rounds to four. You know, like I said, Devin, he's a, he was an old pro. He's a former two-time division champ, so he knows how to fight in, at critical times. Devin's still young. He still has some learning to do. I'll admit that. But this wasn't close. And these guys were just on and on and on about JoJo. Like they were part of the JoJo fan club. And like like Devin haven't had the belt for almost two years. It was ridiculous. And then this new guy, Cambosis, he's sitting ringside. And he, okay, I'll give it to him. He he's respectful. He's humble to a certain extent, but he's sitting there. He's talking to okay. You got all the belts because you beat the fraud, Fimo Lopez. But you're talking to a guy who's been that guy since he stepped in the stepped in the boxing ring, and you're talking like you've had the belts for two, three years. Oh, he sees the holes in Devin Devin Haney's game, and are you serious? Are you serious? Because Teofimo would have got his ass kicked by Devin Haney, too. Just remember that. And you will, too. Because, like I said, he's being humble. He's not saying – because, really, he probably want to slap the taste out your mouth. He's not going to say anything because he wants that fight. And then for you to say, oh, it's different in Australia. Dude, nobody knew who you were post-Teofimo. And the only reason they picked you because they thought you were an easy target. Now you're talking like you're a world beater. Please sign the contract. Please sign the contract. Just sign the contract. In the words of Bart, Bart Scott, can't wait. Now this other clown, Javante Davis, was supposed to put on a show last night because the the Haney fight was just so boring. Well, turned out not to be so special as Mr. Davis is supposed to be uh, the new king of boxing, put on a snorer, but a Apparently, he broke his hand. Apparently, he broke his hand before the fight. That's his reason for not being able to get Cruz out of there. Yeah, the reason he couldn't get Cruz out of there because this guy was tougher than you thought. He had a chin. He got hit with some good shots, but he took he took Davis to 12. Now, is this your champion? Okay, Dame, Haney didn't knock out JoJo Diggs because JoJo is a former two-time champ. You, you, can, expect, you can understand that. This guy came from nowhere. Nobody even heard about him. I mean, he has a good amateur career, whatever the case may be. 
But you're supposed to be the end-all, be-all, and you couldn't get him out of there, supposedly because of your broken hand. But if I remember correctly, you you got thunder in both hands. So why was he still standing at the end of 12? I mean, yeah, it was a unanimous decision. You did work. But that special, like I said, Javante Davis is a very talented boxer. He is not special. He's an average boxer. He's a great fighter. It's a difference. Boxing is that sweet science. That was Floyd Mayweather all day long. Javante can box, but he's not. That's not. That's not his strong suit. He's a fighter. He's the knock you out guy, or hurt you bad guy. He's not gonna go twelve rounds with a boxer, with a real boxer, and you're gonna sit there and go, oh yeah, you know he's exceptional at because he's not. But, and then for him to claim himself the best in the division, how are you going to be the best in the division, guy, when you won't fight the best in your division? When you ran the 140. I'm tired of telling this story. Fight somebody. Anybody. Fight Ryan Garcia. Fight, fight somebody. Even Cam Bosa is out there with, with all the belts. I haven't even heard you call him out. With, with that probably would be easy, an easier fight or whatever. But just so you know, that easy fight thing didn't work out so easy for you, did it? That's enough about Javante Davis because I'm not buying another one of his fights. Well, I'll never buy his fights, but I'll never watch another one of his fights unless he's fighting a world champion. That's all I got to say. And last but not least in boxing, Cambosis, set your 15-minute 15 15 minute of fame ass down. Nobody's listening to you. It's your boy OG. Happy Monday, everybody. And as always, I'm O. U-T.